people. Actually, that one's not really growth. That's um, uh, consolidating. Is it? They just had a bunch of small offices? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like this is in Seattle where they're taking over another location and they're just consolidating. Because um, I, when I read it, it didn't, they weren't adding new people. wasn't adding growth. It just said they were going to bring everyone under one roof. Really? I read that uh, Stealth Forces tripling their office space in Seattle. Yeah, they might be adding more space, but they're bringing people together. They're not, it's not like those people are staying in their satellites and, and then there's more people moving into that other yeah. building. So. Yeah, Salesforce is now a, uh, real, a real estate force to be reckoned with. The force. The force is with them? I guess are we so. recording, by the way? Yes, I told you we started. Oh. You ask me this every week. This well, because I don't know if we're, because we just start talking. We record. We just start talking, and then and then I don't know if we're actually. Yeah, John, two years into this now, I'm going to just go ahead and let you know, that's the way this podcast works. <laughs> well, speaking of Salesforce <laughs> being a forced, a giant. A uh, forced or a force? A force. A force. Did I say okay. forced? I don't know. Force. You might have heard you wrong. The force. What they do now. I don't know. What? <laughs> you're going to say something. I lost my train of thought. Oh, um, cause you were talking about them, you know, getting into all this real estate. And uh, I read this article from business insider last week. Um, actually this week, actually it just came out this week. Yeah. What did I find time to read this? I have no idea. Salesforce is not a VC firm it is now the top investor in one of the hottest tech industries. You say Salesforce is not a VC firm. Yeah. Well, they are. Well, yeah. I mean, oh, so the uh, article title okay. is hyphenated. So Salesforce hyphen, not a VC firm hyphen. I see. Is now the top investor in one of the hottest industries. So they're they're actually one of the largest companies that are investing in some of these newer you know startups. So they're yeah. they're they're one of the top vendors. I think this this article it reported that they've invested four hundred forty nine point seven million in privately held companies. They're three times what it spent six months ago in January twenty fifteen. Wow. So yeah, they they. I mean, we talked about this before. I mean, Salesforce continues to invest in startups, and a lot of those startups are started by former Salesforce execs or people. Yeah, and a lot of times they end up coming back. Well, they've been. I mean, so we're talking about Salesforce Ventures. Yes. All right. Yeah. Yeah, they've been. I mean, between Salesforce Ventures and Mark Benioff personally, you know, he's an investor in lots of different things. Yeah, they've got to have. Hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't know if it's in the billions or not invested, but. Oh, it is. So, so the valuation of their portfolio, according to this article, says that uh, uh, the fair value of Salesforce investments in privately held companies went from $280 million in January 2015 to $631 million in July 2015. Okay. Is that on, and I, I don't recall from looking at Salesforce's balance sheet. Is that, is that on their balance sheet or is Salesforce Ventures a completely separate entity that's not on their I'd imagine track? it's separate. Yeah. Has to be right. I, I don't know. I, I remember a few weeks ago. I said this is. I, th- I think this is Salesforce's best chance to actually make a profit is by investing in other companies who are more likely to make a profit than Salesforce is. I mean, that's. I mean, it's a, it's a good way to spread the money around to take some to, to increase to, your to value. spread money to people who to know how to who know how to yeah. business, run a business that makes money. Yes, yeah. I agree. A, they're I good investments. They're smart investments. Well, we'll see. You hope they're smart yeah, investments, exactly. but. It's better than sitting there twiddling your thumbs and 
and taking that money and just saying, oh, look how profitable we are, but yet you're not, you're not doing anything to contribute to the community or invest in its growth or potentially um, fund something that can, that you could acquire that would ultimately make your company more successful. And I'm, I'm no finance expert, but now look at Salesforce again, assuming Salesforce ventures is, is a part of Salesforce, you know, normally you, you create a, an investment, you create investment activity under your company when you have extra cash that you don't, you don't want to just sitting in the bank earning, earning no money. You know, you want to put it somewhere, either, either short term, you know, fairly liquid, uh, you know, investments, which again, are, are not earning much money right now because of this fed policy we've had for years, or you do something like create a VC arm, right? Where you're right. Invest, uh, uh, investing. That's what Salesforce is doing. But again, the, the premise of this is that you have a company that has excess cash that you have, just need to do something with that your business doesn't need. And certainly Salesforce doesn't have excess cash nor excess. They're not, it's not like they're throwing off cash. So it's weird that they're taking hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, it's a, it's a strategy usually reserved for the apples of the world that do have that kind of cash. I think this is a, one of Salesforce's breaking the mold type strategies where, where they're early on, they're taking a lot of money that normally would probably get recognized as profit and, and investing it. Yeah, because Salesforce has got a good amount of debt too, and so it's weird that instead of paying that debt, is that are those different headphones? No, no. Okay, weird. Instead of taking that, instead of paying down that debt, you know, they instead are. It's it's, it's weird. They're taking their their creditors' money and then turning around and investing that. <laughs> I wonder if the creditors realize that. <laughs> as long as you're paying hey, your 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 bills on time, hey John, you're can, fine. Can I borrow a hundred dollars? I've I heard of this. Uh, Awesome opportunity. It takes money to make money, man. <laughs> <laughs> it takes someone's money. No, I don't think it's a bad strategy. I mean, they, they've seen fruits of that labor, so I don't. I don't necessarily think it's a bad strategy. What have the What have the fruits of that labor been? What, are, lot the, of what company, are the big success stories that Salesforce has had from their investment activity? Uh, well, a lot of them. Like they've invested in Squid that have made money. They've invested in. Oh, well, none of these are making money. They they grow to a certain size. They have a certain amount of technology and IP, and they get a they Salesforce will acquire them back or Aqua hire them. Or I haven't or seen that them. happen either. What about um, uh, what is it? Relate IQ. They funded Relate IQ when they were a startup. Oh, did they? I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure they did. I don't know. Maybe so. And there's a lot of companies and I think still, that they've, they they let's, kept let's, they've let's kept, be clear. They've let's kept be clear. a lot of, still not making money though. It's they've still kept, not. They've kept a lot of these partners these uh, implementation partners going. Like what was it? Mo- was it Model Metrics or something that they they had a heavy hand in and they acquired yeah. them? They brought and, them back in. I mean that might have been for different reasons, but I mean so, they they have a habit of of investing in people and have, they have this technology and that tech, they either that startup sells in which case because they're an investor they they. Would make benefit it. from that. Well, they'd get something back, right? Or, yeah. or they yeah. themselves acquire it. I'll have to, I'll have to look at their their uh, in- income statements again, see if they've actually when they sell these, if they're making any money. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they break. The, I don't know if it's big enough that they have to break it out. Yeah, because again, it's one of those things that if they don't have to break it out, and if it doesn't benefit their stock to actually break it out and show it, they're not going to break it out. Yeah, right? just right. Just like you know, they don't break out. What's the analytics? They don't break out way. They're not going to break out thunder unless they absolutely have to, or unless it, it starts making money, then it benefits them break it out. These things are all just dumped into other. Right. Which includes Heroku, which probably doesn't make money. All these other things. Anyway. 
So you, you have some uh, topics. There's actually so going on this past week. So there's Oracle World, mm-hmm. um, which includes the database side, but also the Java side. I really haven't followed much of the news from that. I, oh, we're, we're going to get into that. And I have good. tons of stuff for good. that. And then um, there was also this big, some other cloud event that was um, Spring had a bunch of announcements. Hmm. And Spring just continues to really announce, you know, have come out with some pretty awesome stuff. Are you, are you aware of this? jealous? Well, it's like, man, I wish I worked on that platform. <laughs> um, have you, have you seen, ever checked out spring boot ever? You're not, oh, this is a Java thing. So yeah. yeah, but okay. So, you know, the spring, just a, a real quick overview. Spring framework is just a, you know, it's a, an, a dependency injection container, which it's a, a ton more than that. It's it basically, if you're going to build a Java app, and but I, I mean like a Java like web app, right? Right. There's you know you got a choice of kind of different platforms you can build that on. There's Java EE, which is like the blessed official Java thing that goes through the the specification tracks and all that kind of stuff. Right. And there's things like Spring, which is almost an alternative. I mean, you can kind of mix these to some degree, but generally it's a it's a it's an alternative to that. Um and I don't know a couple of years ago Spring announced this thing called Spring Boot, which basically makes it super easy with like instead of having you know a bunch of configuration all this kind of stuff with super minimal configuration you can launch a microservice there's like a a, a database backed rest service that uses like jpa and and you know all these nice things right with super minimal like so and it's 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 um what's the thing convention over configuration so you just mm-hmm. specify some super minimal things and it just infers so much by the way your it's by the way your classes and methods are named and all that kind of stuff and i mean just you know Demo is really great, but also and I haven't I haven't used Spring Boot in 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 practice, but you know people are loving it. Uh, you can just get up and running with, you know, a major web service or whatever in in minutes. Yeah, um, really minimal configuration. So they, and they just keep coming out with more announcements around Spring Boot. Um, there was a new um, Spring Cloud, some Spring Cloud stuff, and again, so I Spring. I mean. Spring, when you say dependency injection, that allows you to kind of make your, your application extremely modular and you can configure new functionality and plug that in without having to actually go in and wire it up, correct? Yeah, I mean, dependency injection is a type of inversion of control where instead of a class, like say a class needs a database connection, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of the instead of some method in the class saying, hey, um, Connect go, going to some global yeah. and saying, right, the, that class would just have a constructor that accepts a, data, a database connection. And right. then something is responsible for instantiating this thing and passing in the data the database connection to it. So you're just flipping everything around. What's nice about that is you can look at the constructor or setter method signatures of, of a, any given class and see what its dependencies are. It's actually it's almost like a self documenting thing in terms right. of knowing what dependencies are. Mm-hmm. Versus if that class was just going out, you know, and finding things, you'd actually have to read through all of the code to see where it was going to, you know grab database connections or you know transaction controllers or whatever right um but yeah spring cloud is uh they're just it's and it's all around i guess kind of microservices i mean that's one of the hot things now microservices uh, everything micro's getting micro micro is that the new buzzword these days it's going to be micro yeah of you one, know it's going to be so micro I'm, again i think this is one of those things that that netflix kind of popularized. I mean, that's the way their architecture works. And then, you know, Martin Fowler wrote up a bunch of, of articles about it. 
um, which, you know, gets all the developers talking. You know, it's, it's just this idea, instead of building a single, like if you have a, you know, a, you know, say you're Salesforce, right? You host, you have Salesforce. Instead of that being a giant monolithic application, it's actually composed of a bunch of different loosely coupled microservices that are somehow orchestrated and they, you know, they can find each other and you can, you can kill nodes and launch new nodes and they're just, they're just kind of self-healing and they have their own little, their own little role and they know how to, you know, just start up and kind of connect into the existing ecosystem and, you know, you get, depending on the scale of your application, it can have some, some really big benefits. But again, you can't do this with Salesforce. So sorry guys. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of spring news, a lot of Oracle news, a lot of Java news. What do you want to get into? Um, I wanted to cover some smaller things. I wanted to cover some things with squid that, um, so the next couple of weeks, uh, squid bonsai, bonsai, bonsai! there's my bonsai. <laughs> Will be pushed to production. I'm excited about that release. Oh, that wasn't in production yet. Okay, didn't realize that. Well, it, it's a. Uh, it was in the sandbox environments for the longest time. Um, they delayed the release to production. Uh, I, I want to say once, only once, because they re- they delayed. Okay, they delayed the release to sandboxes. The official push to sandboxes. You you could always manually go in and upgrade to the versions, but then they do a push. Um, so they delayed that push a week to do some extra some extra work, and now they're gonna they delayed the actual official release one more week so that you know you'll you'll get that in production soon this is one of those things where when they switch over to a new version like you get that whether you wanted it or not like the way salesforce does you can contact them to opt out so if you you don't want to if you don't want to be in that that, you can just you can just opt out of it and say i don't want to be pushed to yeah unfortunately god this is this is an area where i think salesforce has set a bad example i just hate this this you're going to get this new version whether you want it or not here's when your sandbox you'll never you won't be able to refresh again here's when you have to refresh (laughs) You know, you are a slave to this system, this this thing that's kind of arbitrary and it may not fit with your schedule or your business priorities and too bad because it's cloud. You say that, but a part of me kind of enjoys... It just happens automatically. It's from the cloud. <laughs> <laughs> part of me... Okay, so there's two sides to that argument and I'm just playing devil's advocate here because I don't 100% believe in this, but it, it, it makes sense to me in that... There is some value in everyone being on the same version, everyone running the most current version. There's there, you know, everyone has the same bug fixes in there already. You're not having to manage to I agree. Client A who's on version two and client B who's on version eight. What how do you think Salesforce Engineering would feel if we told them, hey, we're gonna upgrade your Java to you know seven point two point five update eighty two uh, on this day, whether you want it or not? It's a hell no. That that's no way that would work. Right. And and again, I mean like I said, I'm playing devil's advocate. Well, we're the, talking the front about- side of it is that, yes, everyone's on the same version. It's easier to maintain. Everyone has the same security fixes, bug fixes. Yeah. You know, we're all on the same version. And we're talking about software as a service. I think that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Right. But, you know, what, force.com slash Salesforce one platform slash app cloud slash whatever you want, whatever it's being called nowadays that's different. That's, that's, I mean, that, this is software as a service, but it's kind of a little bit of a platform of service as a part of the software as a service. Right. And this is where it gets, we're in this weird, what's the trough of dissolution? Not that, uh, what is it? Uh, we're in the uncanny valley. Like it's, it's software as a service, but it's kind of a platform as a service too. Right. But it's a platform as a service that's, that rides on top of the software as a service. So all these things about software as a service, everyone's on the same version and it, it's released when it's released. And you, you know, you are on this, train the only thing you can do is jump off of it and die you know that's yeah. those are your only options yeah. i mean that's that's kind of if you're actually trying to build more software on this software 
that's when you're just you're just you're on their train. You, I think the, it's gonna it's gonna do what they want it to do. Yeah, the, the part that makes that difficult is the platform side of it. The software portion of it, the software as a service portion, that's easy. That's easy to say, hey, you're always going to be on the latest version. It's easier to manage, right? Because, it's not that big of a deal. Because you have the, control over that. The benefits definitely outweigh the, the, yes. the downsides. It's when you get into the platform side. So Salesforce being the platform side, that's where it gets really tricky and really difficult. And you, you almost wish that's not the way they did it. And and I think Squid has the same problem with that as well, because... You are, you can, I mean, even though most of it's primarily declarative and you can point and click and draw your interfaces and they've got more tooling now to do theming and layouts and all this kind of stuff and more functionality with their actions and things like that. So more of it, more of it's declarative now than it was before. And especially with Bonsai. However, I have the ability to go and extend a lot of it with, you know, you know, what, what they call snippets and things like that, which is basically JavaScript code. Now, some of the things I did in the past overcome some of the things it didn't do don't work in Bonsai. So I have to go back in and fix those. Is that because you're using unpublished un APIs, yes, undocumented? Absolutely. Okay, so yeah. You're, you're so not, yeah, I'm not faulting right, them for that. Right. I, I know it's, it's something that I was going to have to maintain and make sure it worked. Yeah. However, fortunately, some of those things I was doing are going to get replaced or I'm going to re-implement them using the native system because they've provided those hooks. Um, and so that's, that's where you get into the difficulty of saying, hey, you're on the most current version all the time because it, that's great if it's just software. But when you get into platform and people customize heavily customizing it, developing it, All right. you've got your own development schedule, APIs. your own release schedule, yeah, and exactly. it's not going to coincide with someone else's arbitrary schedule. Um, fortunately, the release cycle for some of the major development we did is coinciding with the bonsai release, and it, even the push to the pu <laughs> the push out a week actually coincides with our push out a week for that deployment. So it's kind of working out because that'll still allow us to stay ahead of the push and deploy it ourselves before squid does a formal push so that we can make sure that all of our systems are updated yeah but yeah that's coming up cool what else? oh halloween man we didn't talk about that what about it's it coming up it is you dressing up nope you're not gonna dress up i don't have enough time or energy for that i'm not dressing up either i, I wanted to but i'm not going to what are your plans? So I think during the day, uh, first of all, potentially two football games, but also Lakewood, Lakewood Brewery. Wouldn't it be Texas without football games, no, right? No. Lakewood Brewery during the day, they, they're having an event. And then night, yeah, I'll take the boys out trick-or-treating. What are their costumes? Do you know? I believe both of them are Power Rangers. <laughs> mask and all, huh? Oh, yeah. Got to have the mask. It's not official. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the masks and masks because then, then it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to know that that's your kid, you know, if, they, if someone's wearing the same costume or something and they're running by. Yeah. Plus, it, plus if you're, well, one nice thing is they're not going to be dipping into the candy. They can't, they have to take their mask off. Yeah. That, my kids don't do that anyway. When we're out trick or treating, they're, they're all about business. Well, that reminded me, I, I read something, an article, it was on some, site just some junk article i was reading past the time and it was about uh costume etiquette for adults and it wasn't it was actually it wasn't like trying to be preacher or anything it was just actually real helpful hips because tips because whenever i i first read i thought oh this is going to be you know you know how not to be that drunk guy in the party and all that kind of stuff it, it was actually really helpful tips like 
when you're picking out your costume, make sure you're not wearing a full on mask because the whole point of like going to a Halloween party is to socialize and interact with people and eat food and drink. Yep. And so if you go to the party where you're wearing a mask, you can't do that without taking off your mask and now your costume's half complete. Right. Some good costumes just require that though. Like last weekend, Mike's Stay Puft costume. You know, you come in and you've got your costume on, but at some point you got to take that thing off. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened though. You right. show up, you know, you're a character and then you take it off and now you're just some regular guy that showed up without a costume. Right. But, you know, Mike is, is fairly charismatic. He has no trouble blending in, but if you're the, you're the guy that relies on a costume to, to kind of get into a conversation, then. Yeah. Or people are going to constantly asking you, what are you? What are you supposed to be? Oh, right. Well. And that was the second, that was, that was another tip was, was if you have to explain your costume, it's probably not a good costume. Or if you rely too much on a pun or something clever, it's right. great for like the first few minutes. And then you're just that weird guy that's explaining his costume yep. all over the place. So. Or the women, it's like, oh, wait, let's see. So you're a sexy teacher. No, you're a sexy librarian. No, you're a sexy nurse. No, it's like, what do you know? Everything's sexy. <laughs> Everything's gotta be sexy. Something sexy cat. And I actually didn't get into that, but yeah, what is up with that? I'm not, I'm not complaining, but <laughs> <laughs> I complain now that I'm married. Whatever. I do. Whatever. I want to hear it. Cause then, cause no, here's what happens. You, you go, when I was younger and we were first dating and we went out to like, we went out for Halloween, we went to some, some place to have a drink or something. And of course the waitresses are trying to, you know, get the best tip they can. So they're wearing the least amount they can. Um, and so that, that's one situation. Does that work? Yeah, it does actually. <laughs> so many of my friends and and I'm work. not you, of course. No, yeah, not pe- me. People, no. people you know. No. Yeah, people you, you've, I you've this heard. guy I know. He's kind of he's kind of looks like me, but he's not. He could be my twin. But he's got a goatee. You read an article that it works. Yeah, I read an article. <laughs> um, but now, now that I'm married and everything, my wife has got like these these eyes out of the corner of my, that I could see. Like if, if some like we're at the party and some girls like wearing something very revealing, I could I could feel her staring at me, trying to see if I'm checking it out. So no, I don't like it because it makes me feel like I'm yeah, being watched. Right. Like I can't just walk up to someone and have a conversation because they're dressed in a sexy police outfit because now my wife's looking at me like, what are you doing? Yeah. Plus you don't want to be that guy that's just staring and creeping. Oh, that's you. Yeah. <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. You don't want to be. Super creepy. Yeah, I don't want to be super creepy. Um, that's, that's Halloween. Hey, this is not necessarily new. Are we done with Halloween? No, I like Halloween. That's not what I asked. I know you like Halloween. I'm asking if we're done with Halloween. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm going. I'm declaring that we are done. You're, I'm, changing, I'm, the, you're changing the subject. On I'm me. deeming that we're done. All right. Uh, this is not new, and I had seen this before, but I completely forgot until someone like the other day wrote a blog post about it. I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Uh, S objects now have a recalculate formulas method. Did you know this? No. Yeah. So you don't have to save and then requery an S object to get its formula, its formula fields calculated. You just call recalculate formulas on it. When is, when is that? Has when, that been there? This new one, the winter 16 or whatever it is. Huh. How did I miss that one? I don't know. Maybe I saw it and no, cause I, I would have mentioned that cause that that's pretty, pretty cool actually. Yeah. I mean, it saves you that extra query, but that also means that the, logic is in memory for all of that? Not necessarily. When you call recalculate methods, you don't know what they're doing. So is that incurring a DML? It's magic. I mean, a query? It's magic proprietary and closed source. You don't know what it's doing, John. Fine. 
I don't know what it, it's. Just, I mean, it's actually it's got to be making database calls. Some of these things are have rollups involved and everything else. It's not just keeping all that in memory. Yeah, I mean, there's formulas with VLOOKUPs. That's got to be doing yeah. a query, right? Well, there's your helpful tip of the day from the Good Day Sir podcast. Recalculate your formulas, people. So how did Halloween jump to that? Are I you? just was done with Halloween. <laughs> done with the Halloween. You don't like the holiday, do you? It, no, it's okay. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's okay. I'm not into candy that much. It's, Halloween's kind of a chore. When you're a parent, Halloween's kind of a chore. I don't know. I guess I enjoy it because, I don't know, it's fun. I'm going to admit, not looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Well, we're still at the awkward, and you guys kind of are too, but me, me worse than you. It's a stage where I've got one kid who can just run and be much faster than me, and, and he's gone. I got another kid who is super slow because he's little still, and I'm dragging around. So they're, they're two different speed, completely different speeds. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm there. You know, if, if I had two fast kids, I'd be fine. But I got a fast one, I got a slow one. Yeah, last year my daughter ran off and ended up running off with a different group of people. And I'm trying to chase after her with my son, who's still walking pretty slow at that time. He's a little faster now, so he might be able to catch up. But mm. yeah, that was a concern. She, she finally realized it and turned around and came back as I was trying to catch up to her. All right, so I won't make you talk about Halloween anymore since you don't like it. Let's get into your, um, the homework that you did here. I did a lot of homework. So how do I need to be able to play this live? I've got to switch. I'm gonna. I have to experiment here. Let's see. Yeah. So I have some clips. So you didn't even link these up. Yes, I did. They're not even. No, those aren't even links. I've got to like copy and paste those. You're making me work here. Here, I just linked it. All right. You see I, how awesome I am? I can link on the fly. Boom. So awesome, John. Boom. Um, linked. So seven fifty two. Okay. So let's. Uh, hopefully this this so is. so some context this is this is Oracle world this is um the keynote from Larry Ellison um talking about Oracle and their strategy now this first clip he's he's talking about something near and dear to us, which is standards and in this context and well, these he loves first his two standards the, the, in this context he's actually talking about cloud architecture in general he's actually really talking about things like amazon and and Azure and all those kind of things that they're competing with but what I found interesting in the keynote is he spent a great deal of time in the beginning talking about, it was almost like revisionist history to me. Which, I, feel like, I feel like we're doing a lot of meta about this clip. No, no, this is just the, this is the topic in general. This is the Oracle keynote in general that I'm talking well, about. Should we play something so people, so people, when you. No, because the, the, part, the part I'm talking about has right, nothing to do well, with the keep, clip. Keep going. Keep, keep bloviating about <laughs> your opinion on these. <laughs> I'm having a conversation. The clips come into it later. Okay. That's fine. I'm telling a story. Yeah. Let me tell my story. But I'm buzzing myself. Go on. Anyways. So he spent a good part of the beginning of it talking about. You can't do this with Salesforce. <laughs> no, he, he did. He did say that later though. Did, yeah. <laughs> no, but you got to keep interrupting me. I lost I my know, train of I'm thought. sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, so he spent a great deal of time talking about how they've kind of transitioned to the cloud and how they're bringing more and more of their applications and services to the cloud. And, and he, again, I, I'm thinking revisionist history because he says we started this process 10 years ago. Was he promising va vaporware again? Like, was he doing this? Here's what we're going to do. No, I think this, Look at how this is going to work. <laughs> no, I think he was at this point in time, they actually have something more tangible. So now they're talking about this is what we are doing. Was it a the uh, big data scam is a huge scam. 
No. Here's what I got from his conversation. We thought cloud was SaaS and pass was a scam. So we didn't buy onto it. And then we realized, oops, it's not. And we're now we're all in yeah. is, is my take on, on how he started his, his keynote. Cause he spent a lot of time talking about all the things that were happening that these other companies were doing and some of the things that, you know, they were doing and how now they're, they're doing this. Now they're going to be doing this, but they're going to be doing it better. Yeah. And you're going to want to do it with us, not right. them. Right. Um, so anyways, this first clip, I, the only reason I'm interested in this clip is because it's about standards and it's something we talk about. And I think you'll agree a lot with what he says. All right. Standards. In the early days of the cloud, the early SaaS providers uh, didn't worry a lot about standards. The cloud was brand new. They built a lot of stuff that was proprietary. They were pioneers and really didn't, it, there were, weren't a lot of standards around the cloud. Standards. Uh, people have huge investments, huge investments in applications, in data. And they want to move that investment from on-premise to into the cloud or part of the investment into the cloud. And you have to have, you have to preserve that the value of that investment. You do that by implementing the same industry standards in, in the cloud that you have on-premise. So, so by the way, these are, this, he just, these are, a lot of these are total swipes. It's mainly Salesforce. Well, I have some later clips where he's a little more specific about that, about the same standards concept. But um, again, this was more general about just cloud computing in general and in, in providing that platform. All of those things, whether it's the SQL programming language or Hadoop or Java or Linux or Docker lightweight containers, you want to have the same industry. I feel like someone just telling him, okay, Larry, we need to let you know there's this thing called Docker and they're lightweight containers. Just remember, <laughs> Docker, lightweight container, Docker, lightweight container. I, I, I felt the same way when I heard that. I was like, Docker? He's talking about Docker. Why is he, why is he saying Docker premise. so much? So all of those things, whether it's the SQL programming language or Hadoop or Java or Linux or Docker lightweight containers, <laughs> you want to have the same industries, the same, use the same technology standards in the cloud that people use on-premise. It makes life very easy then as you want to shift workloads oh, so back and forth between the cloud and on-premise or between different clouds. You don't want to be locked into just one cloud. In fact, that last statement you know, I thought would resonate with you a lot. You don't want to be a homo nimbus. Homo nimbus? <laughs> one cloud. One cloud. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I mean, he had some good points there. I mean, a lot of that, a lot of that was very buzzword heavy. And it's, it's almost common sense when you, when you talk about standards and the reasons you do standards and, you know, the pros and cons of standards versus proprietary and all that kind of stuff. But Now, who else would he be contrasting with do you think uh well as we get into i think well, maybe maybe here's the thing maybe amazon right because yeah well okay so here's the thing with amazon you've got these things like eucalyptus which is they they took the the aid the ec2 and all of its ancillary services the, the apis mm -hmm. and re-implemented them right so you can run eucalyptus in your data center you, you can basically move stuff from someone else's cloud to your cloud right right but it's still not an industry. That's not a standard. It's 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 reimplementing someone else's proprietary API. I mean, yeah. Amazon's Amazon's API is not standard. Yeah, and and even Oracle kind of is kind of doing that as well by moving their technology to the cloud and some of the things they've had to do to re-engineer it so that it works in both places seamlessly. But they own it, 
So it's not like they're taking someone else's and it's now anti, it's now forked, you know, it's, it's now forked <laughs> in some third party open source yeah. way. It's, it's fully supported, you know, from their environment. And maybe what he's talking about is, I mean, it, it depends on what layer you're talking about standards for. So yeah. is it the application itself, the language that it's written in, the database, communication, query language? You know, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. But, but sure, you know, you can, as long as you have a Java container, you can, you know, you can, you know, put your war file in there and you can, right. you know, you can make rest calls or soap calls or, you know, you can use OAuth and all these different things. But when it comes to the the system that's used to in an automated way you know spin up instances and configure uh routers and proxies and things like that but now at least in the amazon land you're talking about their api which is a proprietary right. thing right yeah now that's one layer that's like the orchestration layer and it's at some point if if you had to say okay hey our application itself it's it's all written in industry standards it's it's you know it's node so we can run it on anyone we want but at the layer at which we are in, you know, firing up our app and connecting all these pieces together in, in what's the word, uh, provisioning the infrastructure, that is a, any code we write to, to automate that, that is a, that is a locked in piece of, you know, orchestration code. Right. I mean, because that vendor is providing that. Uh, exactly. And that so automation. you just know that, okay, if you do want to switch clouds, that part of it, you're going to have to redo. Yeah. Except for things like eucalyptus, except for things like, if instead of coding against that, code against like OpenStack. And, you know, I just kind of, we talk about OpenStack sometimes just because it's, I don't know, they, you can't ever tell whether they're getting traction or not and like who this is actually for. Apparently, you know, it's, 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 it's for, it's for big companies essentially, but, but that's, big companies have these problems. Yeah. You know, small companies don't have these problems. And he, I think he kind of gets into some of that in this next, in this next clip, which we'll, we'll start in a bit because he does kind of talk about the architecture and some of the things that, that they're striving for. All right, so what is the next one? Okay, clip two. Clip two. Architecture. Open standards, I'll say it again. Uh, it took us a long time to figure out that we didn't want to have lots and lots and lots of proprietary technology that... Uh, would both lock us in and in not necessarily, but worse than that, not really keep pace with uh, developments in the industry. If you're locked in, you know, you're the supplier yeah. stop competing. You don't need to Stuck compete. You don't technology. need to make it better. You need to make it faster. So there's a whole bunch of industry standards that we adhere to in the Oracle cloud. Very, very important. Docker's a brand, you know, rel relatively new. Docker certainly lightweight much container. Newer Docker than, lightweight say, container. Linux. Do they acquire uh, Docker? Docker is a new standard no. for lightweight containers, and we and we support that. Uh, Hadoop is a newer standard for Hadoop. data, you know, for data management than uh, than SQL, and we su we support that. Um, we support that by, that that SQL that we support that. <laughs> by using open standards, we can move uh, our workloads. You can take you can build a workload in the Oracle Cloud, mm. lift it up. And if you want to, we don't want you to do that, you can move it to Amazon or you move it to Microsoft Azure. But it's good for you, not so good for us. We, it means that we have to oh, fallen on work sword hard here. to keep yeah. you as a customer because you have choices. For all us, we're just doing this so that, you can, so that you can leave us. We don't want you to leave us, but you can. It's noble. 
It's BS. It is, but. We're doing this because we're looking out for you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it truly is a vision of the type of company they want to be moving forward. Is it, is it Bill O'Reilly that always says, I'm looking out for you, or because we're looking out for you? And what is it, sign off thing or something? I don't know. That's what Allison's doing here. But I, I, I mean, when you when you talk about standards and being open, and that's how you're going to compete in this this market of proprietary platforms, you know, that's going to be your stick. It's going to be, hey, yeah, it's open, which means you can move it and do whatever you want with it. We really don't want you to, but we feel the value of using these open standards far outweighs the risk of you leaving us. Well, it's an important thing. It's it's a huge consideration. It always that type of thing has always been a big consideration. Yeah. And if you are creating, if you are staking your company, building your company, creating your your core value in a proprietary system and a proprietary language on things you don't control, then you are crazy. Either that or you just, it's a calculated risk. You're like, hey, we have this opportunity here. It's crazy locked in. We have no control and we have no choice yeah. once we build on this. And if you know that and you're like, hey, we're going to do it anyway, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm crazy. I'm going to throw my money at this. Okay, that's fine. That's, but just understand what you're getting yourself into. That creates an interesting dynamic because yes maybe that that proprietary system is solving your needs today even though it's locked in that gives you the doesn't give you the warm and fuzzies but now that that this is gearing up and more and more companies are doing this and they're focused on open standards and non-proprietary systems the next time you come up for renewal do you start thinking about going oracle or azure or aws just something that that is implementing open technologies right right so, I mean, proprietary gets you there. I mean, you pioneered it, you got in there, you're doing this, and you're successful at it. But can you continue to grow with that? Can you continue to offer things that, that your, your customers need? Yeah. Or is this thing that you built on, is it changing and moving in ways that you're forced into that you don't really necessarily like? Yeah. And is the pricing going up? Are they, are, they charging the, are they raising the fees they charge you to be in their store? Right. And again, this is specifically talking to platform as a service, not necessarily software as a service, because... I mean, when you're talking software, that can be proprietary. That is your IP. You can right. You, you are can, leasing someone else's product, right, exactly. proprietary technology, right? But when we're talking platform. We're talking about you know building things, new things, things that you don't know what's going to be around in the future. Right. You know that's I mean, where I having mean, the flexibility of being able to plug in. You know, because it's Docker today, maybe it's Locker tomorrow. Who knows? Right. I'm making I mean, that up. These are infrastructure services. Like I need to be able to plug my computer into that outlet. Yeah. I don't need to come in and they some one day they're like, oh no, you, we changed the outlets and you're gonna have to buy our computers now because only our computers will plug into that outlet. And it's like, okay, no, this is not good. Oh, you mean Apple? <laughs> <laughs> have they done that yet? I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure. Uh, sure, we'll all have to have like little magnet chargers or something eventually. <laughs> anyway, okay, there's. Just had to make that audible, didn't you? <laughs> all right, ready for clip three? Yeah, clip three is gonna be fun. I okay. think. Been in, we've been in SaaS longer than we've been in PaaS, and we've been in PaaS longer we've been in infrastructure as a service. So I think we're doing pretty well, actually. We are by far the biggest mid-market and uh, big uh, mid-market and high-end ERP company. We are number one in ERP in the enterprise, over 1,300 customers, and we're growing very, very rapidly. We'll hit 2,000 very soon. Uh, so we're, you know, I think we're most, most... Uh- Wait a minute. So 
they bought PeopleSoft years ago. PeopleSoft has been in business for decades. And from beginning of that time until now, they have 1,300 customers. Taking them that long to get 1,300, but they're right around the corner to 2,000. Also interesting, he's got on his slide here, Workday has at most 120 customers. Yeah. It's really interesting. I, th- I feel like Workday's kind of struggled. I don't really follow them that much. But. They might. And he, it's interesting that, that Salesforce and Workday are such a big part of his keynote. Um, when it when he comes to the SaaS and PaaS portions of his of his keynote, yeah, um, and mainly because they're 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 really starting starting to kind of compete with them heavily. In what area? I, I think in in the HR arena and in the uh, CRM arena is is what they're is where they're competing and trying to focus their attention to. Yeah, I mean Oracle's got their CRM thing, I guess. Well, I mean Oracle's got a tough road ahead of them because they're competing with everyone. They're competing with Amazon. They're competing with Azure. They're competing with Salesforce. They're competing with Workday. They're competing with just about anybody out there. Yeah. IBM, I mean. Right. I mean, isn't, aren't all those other people all competing with competitors too, though? I don't know. I don't know that. They I'm, are, but I mean, I think Oracle, just like Microsoft did, Microsoft rested on, on their current technology stack and everything. They and didn't have any competition. That was the problem. Very little, right? Either way, the world around them changed. It got disrupted, and now they're playing catch-up. And they're right. doing pretty good. Now I think, and I hope Oracle is able to make me say the same thing about them, uh, because yes, they are playing catch up. We we know full well years ago they they thought cloud was a fad. Well, they're not playing. Uh, they'll be fine cloud wise. Assume they can even do anything there. That's not their problem. Their their problem, Oracle's problem, is they're going to get disrupted on the database, and that is by far their cash cow. Um, and there are just these huge problems that they're going to face. One is all these migration things. Amazon recently announced this migration service that will migrate you off of Oracle database. And these Oracle database contracts are long-term databases. Or they're long-term contracts. And when these things are expiring, I mean, people are looking at strongly at things like Amazon's Aurora, which is like their own implementation of My MySQL. They're mm-hmm. going to be they're looking at Postgres. Postgres has gotten tons of traction. And it's got a lot more enterprise features now. And people are really going to be looking hard at that because they're tired of this Oracle lock and they're tired of the sales tactics. It's definitely like business 1.0, the way yeah. Oracle does business. That's where they're, and I that's think, where they're really vulnerable. I, I think they're honestly trying to change that. I mean, they, they have some automation tools that will take your database and put it into their cloud infrastructure. So they're, they're, they're creating enablement technologies to try to keep you on the platform, but also, you know, finding ways to get you to come into their platform. So I, I, I want, I, I'm hoping that their efforts are going to yield results similar to Microsoft because Microsoft is actually making strides and changing their culture. I just see them, this is, I mean, they're in major diversification mode. Yeah. I think they see the writing on the wall for their database yeah. revenue and profit. I do too. Yeah. And so there are, and it could be, again, you know, two years ago they were poo-pooing the cloud or whatever, right? And now all of a sudden they want to be this big cloud vendor. And I think the reason is because they know that this database thing they've had for a while now that's enriched them greatly is going to be fading away. Their number, their, their results have been hurting. They're going backwards. Yeah. Um, so this next clip just continues yeah, on not, with this. We're not done though. Oh, we're not? No, I don't think so. Hang on. Um, we have the biggest lead in any category in ERP, enterprise ERP. Uh, in HCM, uh, we have uh, 5,000 HCM customers. Now, we bought Taleo, 
That was a purchase we bought to Leo. And there are uh, something less than 4,000 of oh, those is that how you customers say it? I say are to Leo customers. But 1,000 of our recruiting HCM software, customers right? yeah. are Fusion Core HCM. That's more than Workday. Not a lot more than Workday, but more than Workday. So we're, we think we're doing really well in HCM, and we think we're clearly the leader in HCM outside the United States. It's very close in the U.S., but outside the United States, we're clearly the leader. And in CRM, they've been at it for a long time. They've been doing this for more than 15 years. We are number two to Salesforce.com in sales automation, but we well, are number one in marketing. Uh, I don't know why and, it does. Uh, I, don't, well, I don't know why the slide exists. Very close this should service. be taken out of his presentation. So we think in the SaaS business, we're doing extremely well and we're growing faster than our competition. Yeah. I mean, so. he literally has a, a bullet on the side that says number two to salesforce.com. Well, I mean, again, they're, they're, and this whole presentation was about how they're playing catch up and, and how they're, they're trying to change the tide of, of where they, where they found themselves basically. I guess he always does these and I, I just don't get them. I don't feel like they're, they ever really represent Oracle that well. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways you, I mean, Oracle could, can brag on stuff, but these things just are, I don't know. Well, I mean, uh, well, I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you do you think they should just be up there championing in full on marketing mode and spitting a bunch of half truths, or do you like it, the kind of humble nature he's taking with this? Especially when a guy like this, guys that that often are the big crap talkers, big crap talking CEOs, Ellison, Benioff, um, who else jumps into this? I can't. I don't know. Those are the those are the two that always seem to come to mind that are out there doing this. I always think that does them a disservice to mention their competitors so much. And really, Ellison's worse at it. Benioff's gotten better. I mean, because I think that mm-hmm. as Salesforce gets bigger, they they feel like they have less of a need. I mean, Salesforce used to used to guerrilla, you know, guerrilla market against um, Oracle. I mean, they would, you know, go to Oracle's thing and hold up Salesforce signs when Salesforce was little. And that's yeah. the kind of stuff you do when you're little. But when you're a, you know, a giant corporation that employs 20,000 people, you know, quit mentioning your competitors. Yeah, but I wonder if those comments aren't meant for us, you and uh, I, the um, regulars of the world. I, I wonder if they're meant for the analysts who who are constantly worried, constantly evaluating who's what, who's um, where, the gartners of the world that are trying to plot you on some some chart, <laughs> some quadrant. quadrant. And um, I, I wonder if those the, these type quadrant. of comments are meant to cater to that audience of this is how we're we're where we're at with these guys, and this is how we're planning on beating them, Mister Analyst. Now please race our stock. Yeah, you know. All right, SAS and PASS. PASS. Pause. This is this is uh, kind of interesting. In our previous Q4, we sold over four hundred million dollars in the combination of SAS and PASS. Salesforce also sells SAS and PASS. Salesforce. Salesforce. Salesforce has been the leader in SAS and PASS over over the last several years. Are they really the leader in PASS? I mean, yeah. it's basically Heroku, right? I don't know if they're the leader in pass. I guess. I mean, Heroku is definitely one of the. But I mean, Salesforce considers Force.com pass. I don't think it is. I mean, we don't think it is, but they consider it as pass, which thus makes them the leader because so much is built on it. They do. I mean, like I know for a fact, like in in the, speaking of Gartner Magic Quadrants, when they do pass and things, and they talk about Salesforce, they if you look, they're actually referring to Heroku. Yeah, I agree. But I, I think Salesforce as a whole would consider their platform not only SaaS, yeah, but PaaS. I think they would. And I think he's catering to that 
to that marketing, Maybe basically. So. Yeah, that is just referring to um, Heroku as well. I forget, Heroku's a pretty, I mean, they were, man, they were, I think, one of the, they were the, one of the early paths, especially Ruby on Rails, right? That's that's yeah. what they're, that's how they got their start. And that was, that was what, you know, became the way to deploy your Rails apps, deploy and host your Rails apps. And they got a lot of traction on that. I mean, I, from a business perspective, I still don't know how well they do. I don't think very well, but that's a tough business. Yeah. When you're just a utility. <clears throat> right. And you're a thin layer that sits on top of EC2, which is itself a commoditized utility. Right? <laughs> this, this current year, the year we're in right now, Salesforce has a plan where they expect to sell about a billion dollars worth of new business this year. And we expect to sell 50, at least 50% more than that. And this is a surprising number. Well, I can tell you that Salesforce plans to sell Increase more, more than, than $1 billion a year. Yeah. So we expect to sell more new business, more new business in SaaS than any other Why are you bragging company about what you expect to do? Around. Why don't you go do something and then brag about it? Salesforce is the no leader sense. in SaaS and PaaS together, that, that combination. We expect to sell more this year than they do. So we think, we think we're this off to a This is just torture to me. This is just awkward. I feel, I feel embarrassed. <laughs> I'm, this is awkward. I just want to. I would just want to walk out of that room if I was in there. Isn't that awkward? The kind of yeah. Just he's well, he's really twisting numbers and doing all this just crazy, awkward, stuttering, stammering to talk about how he's kind of better than this competitor that's clearly kicking his butt. Yeah, it's just awkward. It's like, oh, dude. Well, to that point, Benioff. Before you continue, Benioff. Um, he tweeted something about uh, something Mark Hurd said, and it was. And this is Benioff's tweet. Well, Mark Hurd just complained to Oracle Open World audience. They weren't excited or motivated to be there. And Benioff said, can't make this stuff up. So, I mean, it seems like this, this, their conference or their, their keynotes have, have kind of been, I don't know, self-deprecating to a point. I don't think they mean to be, though. That's the thing. That's, it's not funny. I wonder if they were trying to come off as humble and and trying to trying to show where they want to take this direction, how they're, they want to be open and, and I don't think so. I just think they're where they're hard on their sleeve yeah. when it comes to their technology and their stack. But I don't know. I don't they're, think it's coming over like he's that. He's trying to brag about how well they're doing while having to mention the fact that in many areas they're not doing very well. It's just awkward. I, I, whoever's it, making these slides from really is it an awkward apology that says, "Yeah, we're sorry, world, that we thought cloud was just a fad and wasn't gonna wasn't gonna go anywhere." I don't know. I, don't, I haven't heard anyone directly force him to answer that question, but I, I, I think to defend him for a minute, I think the the way people were doing cloud is what he probably was saying. Yeah, this is kind of BS. And depending on what that argument is, I might partially agree with that. But yeah, but no, uh, unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately, he's caught on. He's he's been caught on the record saying that you know, yeah, things about cloud that at this point make him sound kind of silly. Yeah. Well, skip over to standards. I think we're done with that part. We skip one, over to standards. More? So this is where he talks about standards and he directly kind of uh, talks about Salesforce. But five. Uh, standards are important. I said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, you don't want to get locked in. Many times you want to be, say If you again. build an application, you want to be able to run it on our cloud, on Amazon's cloud, on Microsoft's cloud. The Salesforce platform is there a proprietary go. platform. 
with a proprietary with proprietary languages. If you, you can't do this with Salesforce. It runs on the Salesforce platform. It can run on one and only one place on the planet Earth, and that's the Salesforce platform. It is not standards-based. We think that's very important. It's been around a long time, but we think most customers will want to build their applications using industry standards. And as I mentioned earlier, Workday doesn't have a platform, period. They just don't have one. It yeah. just, I mean, I get the point, and, I, and I, you know, obviously I'm sympathetic to that point, but God, he does such a bad job of, of selling that. Yeah. It's just awkward. I almost thought he was just going to lose his steam and stop in the middle of that. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to cry. He keeps referring to how long they've been doing it. I'm just, I'm just like saying, well, it's, it sounds like he's complimenting Salesforce. Well, it's, it's like he's saying, yeah, we ignored it for 15 years. Right. And now we're playing, mm-hmm. now we've got our tail between our legs and trying to play catch up. I don't think, I don't think they expected that people, as many people would buy onto a proprietary platform as have. And I didn't either. Yeah, and I didn't think people would build, try to build ERP applications on top of Salesforce, which I think qualifies you to be sent to a mental institution. <laughs> hey, think the, the world is built on crazy, insane ideas. You know, there is the same- idea of putting in your application and having someone else host it, hence Salesforce, manage all your data and everything else. That's a bit insane as well, is it not? A few years ago. It's a little more commonplace now. It's a little more acceptable now, but that was a bit crazy back then. I don't know. People, I've, I always have to remind myself. You know what else was crazy? Driving down the road on a, on a mechanical horse that, that drives instead of using your little horse and buggy. That was I, crazy too. I'm done. Can I say something without getting interrupted? Yes. I have to remind myself there are people who derive pleasure from pain. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why else would you want to build something like an ERP system on top of Apex and Visual Force? Because it's there. And the lovely meta, the there. lovely metadata API. Why would you want to climb vertically up a cliff for hours at a time and sleep you're, on that cliff? No, now you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> because it's there. <laughs> because it's a challenge and it it's a it's a need that needs to be met. I would I would step on a, a pebble and twist my ankle and have to stop about three feet up <laughs> <laughs> look salesforce has a big ecosystem they got a lot of customers on there they got people who want the easy turnkey solutions so why not be the vendor to deliver that if you can make some money doing that that's great well the the, the reason people are building big stuff on salesforce now is, is for access to the ecosystem to the mm-hmm. customers it's not because it's great technology yeah it's not because right? they're insane going hey Look, let's go do that. No, it's, no. It's, well, it's that calculation I was talking about earlier. They, they've, they've made the calculation. Yes, this is proprietary, and we know that, you know, everything that means. Yeah. But no one has an ERP system on Salesforce, so we want to give these 100,000 customers this option because we think we can sell a lot of it and make money. Yeah. And well, let's, let's and talk. if you get Salesforce to invest in you, then at least, hopefully, they won't come after you or destroy you by creating their own vertical that destroys you. Right. Let's let's talk about Sage Life then, since since you brought up building an ERP system on it. Sage Live, okay. Sage Live. I mean, they didn't they didn't spend years building that. They didn't spend multiple years. I mean, they had a strong team. They they had to learn a lot of hard lessons, but they built it in a short amount of time, which says to me that well, they built something in a short amount of time. The details around that are I don't know what they are. That's true, but their their investment was. I, I want to say that they were 
minimizing their risk by keeping their investments small. So they they knew they had a certain set of functionality. They had a they had a skill set and experience level from building their proprietary their um, on premise applications that they applied to that, mm-hmm. and so they were able to kind of mitigate the risk a little bit by by developing something much quicker. It might may not be fully featured and have full feature parity with some of their other applications, but they were able to build something and at least be there for their customers that want that to say, yes, we are on that platform. Yeah, you said yes, a we couple can offer you a solution. You said a couple of different things there, but I think the last one was the more salient one, which is it's, it's the ability to offer these 100,000 Salesforce customers a, at least the small ones, right? Because this is a small, small business solution. Yeah. A, an accounting thing that is completely integrated with your CRM. Which is really nice. Yeah, and I think I think to the to or my other points that I was trying to make is 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 not it's not like they they decided hey, Salesforce is it. We're going to build our entire business on this. We're transitioning from our on premise to cloud, and this is the way of the future. No, they 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 built something to offer something to their customers that had a need, and they mitigated their risk by making sure they could do it within a they time boxed it. Yeah, they didn't invest multi year. Dollars well, the, no, and, they, and resources they, to they, it. They really, from what I can tell, from the conversation we had with Kevin, uh, was that they really, I mean, forget, it doesn't matter what the platform they chose. They really went with that minimum viable product model. Right. Right. They're like, what is the minimum functionality we have to have in order to have a product? And it really sounds like they really attacked that strategy. And that's, that's a hard thing to do. That's a well, hard people, thing to do to say, we're going to go put this out there knowing it's not going to have every feature that every customer is going to want. For traditional product managers and project managers and executives, I think it's very difficult, if not impossible. Yeah. You really, everyone's got to understand this, the philosophy of the strategy, how business works, how you build stuff nowadays, uh, and, and just the, the time aspect of it, the yeah. limited time opportunity, right? Right. The, the short time windows there are nowadays. And if you have to understand that, because if not, yeah. then you will. Like you'll, yes, you'll want to keep throwing in features and say, no, it's again, you know, it's not done until we, or feature parity with the competitors, you know, no, that's, right. you're, you're going to die. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think their strategy was sound versus insane of saying, we're going to build it ground up. We're dependent on this platform. I guess if you got Salesforce money, Salesforce VC money, you're a little bit safer maybe, but. I'm not even sure that makes you safe though. I don't know what makes you safe. I, I mean, know. I mean, it's. You gotta be. I, like, do you think? Do you think Squid is necessarily safe because Salesforce is a small investor in Squid or big? I don't know how big they are. I don't think they're safe because of that. I don't think they got any special heads up on Lightning and how that was going to affect their business or anything like that. Yeah, they they might not have. I think I think everything about Lightning was done without a single damn given about Squid. Well, why would why would Salesforce care? Because they. They're a part owner of Squid. Hey, hey, well, maybe we should ask a you know. Let's think about how this affects the Squid guys. I don't think that I don't I don't think that conversation ever happened. Uh, you, you see, what I'm saying. Do you? Do you think it did? No, but I don't think I don't see why that conversation ever would. I mean, why would Salesforce as a company worry so much about their ecosystem if you, that way? If you were a part owner in a business and you were about to make a decision that could hurt that business, yes, you would think, oh, maybe I oh, let me stop for a second. Let me think of that. Think about whether this is smart for me or not to do this. Right? That that's natural. I'm just saying I don't think that happens. I think what Salesforce Ventures is doing has really no bearing on product management at Salesforce. I guess what I'm saying is is Salesforce isn't dependent agree, Do you agree on, with that or not? You, yeah, I agree with that. Okay. I'm just saying I, I I think it's 
it's not that type of relationship though. It's not like Salesforce is dependent on the ecosystem for their product. It's not like an operating system where, where you're dependent on developers being there and developing on your platform. So you want to cater to them because you want them to put applications onto your platform so that customers can use them. You don't think that Salesforce is dependent on, they need the app exchange to work and all these apps built on it. You, that's, that's one of their... Not anymore. Why is that? Because they've already made it harder for you to get on, on their, their app that's store. That's just because of so much crap. They don't want as much crap I know, on the but, app but exchange. At once upon a time, that was the relationship. They needed those people there to show that, hey, you can do it. And there's you, you, you need that. I, go to the I'm app talking, exchange. I'm not talking there. about six years ago. I'm talking about right now. And I'm talking about right now. They don't need that anymore. They've made it harder to get in the app exchange. They made it harder for you to publish your applications and tools. They made it harder to work within that ecosystem. They don't need it anymore. So thus, no, I don't, I just, I don't I think they, they, they're not going to, they're not going to worry about, you know, Joe Blow over there with an application that does something similar to what we're about to do. So you don't think the app exchange is important to Salesforce? I do think it's important. It's a, it's a channel. It's a way for them to, to point their customers to exist to products out there that supplement it's, it's their gaps. It's loads of value add that you get exactly. if you buy into the platform. Exactly. But Salesforce isn't reliant on that value add. They're trying to build out that capability into their own system as much no, as they can. No, they're not. There's thousands of apps on the App Exchange. They're not trying to build all those. You don't don't take the two or three vertical solutions they're thing they're that they're doing now and thinking that they're going to replace the App Exchange with that. It's like I mean, it's, it'd be like saying is Apple not dependent on people writing good apps and games and things for their for iOS devices? Yes, that's course, an operating system. They need that. That's like the value. That right? is is. That's iOS the value, has, that's iOS the, has value. the best apps and the best games. That's one reason why people choose iPhones. That's the value of a platform. Right. But Salesforce is still primarily a CRM application. Not a, 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 a CRM and marketing application. CRM and marketing application. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. But I mean, people people get a ton of value out of these app exchange. You know, Conga and the docu the document signing things. I'm not, and I'm all not kinds saying they that. don't. But Salesforce still and, and built your, and your favorite roll up helper. <laughs> <laughs> but Salesforce still at, at one point, if they find some value or 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 any reason at all. For them to cut, to invest the time and effort to build a roll up tool, or or expand their current roll up tool, or um well, well, oh marketing they've got their own marketing system now. They right. used to be on the App Exchange and now they've got their own. I mean, it's not like there's they don't stop publishing other App Exchange products, but they don't really need it. Hmm. I don't know, man. We'll have to agree to disagree. I hate that phrase. <laughs> I feel like we got on this weird tangent and I'm forced to make a point that I wasn't really trying to make. All I'm trying to say is that I don't think Salesforce cares uh, about someone out there who has an application that does something they're thinking about building. They're not uh, going to go to them and say, hey, we're thinking about building this. Are you okay with that? They're not going to do that. No, I, I agree. I agree with you on that. And that's the only point I'm trying to make. Okay. I still, th I, still, I still think it's hugely important for Salesforce to be able to say, hey, look at the app exchange with all these thousands of apps that you can get when you sign up for our ecosystem, you know, when you sign up for Salesforce. I think that's a huge selling point. I think it. I think on the surface it is. What I hate about the App Exchange is the pricing model. Everyone's doing freaking subscription models that, okay, based on your fine. user account. That's I understand that. That's your thing. That is my thing. But that doesn't that doesn't take away from the fact that it's Salesforce loves having having the App Exchange as a big a big value add to Salesforce that doesn't cost Salesforce anything. In fact, in fact, they even make probably make money from it, especially since they've increased their take. No, I doubt it. You doubt I what? doubt it. You doubt what? I the, doubt they that make they money like the it. value or they make money. I doubt they make money. I don't know. I they don't break the numbers out, so I don't know. They did increase their take though. 
They get a higher percentage. Uh, if job. anything, it's it's close to a wash. I don't think they make any money off of it. It's it's a lot of effort and a lot of curation and a lot of meetings to evaluate things. There's a lot of people involved in that process. You've been a part of that process. It's it's not fun. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think they're making money. It's it's five thousand. Now, if they charge us for every every code <laughs> review or, no, they do. or every, no, it's five grand for that. Just it's five grand just to table stakes, right? And then it's um or ante, and then it's um it's a percentage of your revenue. Is it a percentage I mean, of revenue? Oh, seriously, I, I didn't think they they did that. Only Salesforce could not could not make money at this. <laughs> wait a minute! No, wait a minute! Wait a minute! They yes. don't take a percentage of revenue. They absolutely do. It was, it was just a it's listing to, fee, and that's no, it. No, it's up to twenty. They just raised the percentage like a six a few months ago. It went from I think twenty fifteen percent to twenty five percent. Safe harbor. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize. There, I didn't think that was true. Or I don't think that's true. Okay. Well, I, you, I believe you. You can, you I can believe, fact check me and no, let, let I, us know. I believe you. I believe you. Week. I just, I just, I always thought for the longest time it was nothing more than in the listing fee itself for, and the certification for the, um, you know, what is it? Aloha app or something. Yeah. Nope. I didn't think they took a uh, revenue sharing. Well, now I'm really not going to build my app on Salesforce. <laughs> Hey, they just, you know, it's mutual success. You want to be, you want your partners to be successful. I don't know. The app store is too big to even guarantee that. Well, there's no guaranteeing success. You have to create good value first that people are willing to pay for. No one's going to find it. It's too big. No, it's not. It's not true. I'll have to pay extra money to get featured. <laughs> I wonder how they do that. Do you pay for that or is that? I don't know. I'm guessing. I'm guessing you have to pay to get featured. I know it's like about every third week, the featured app of the week is Aptus. Starting to think I need to call up iTunes and have them feature Aptus was, us on. Aptus was the featured app again this week. Like there's some little startup, you know. <laughs> Aptus who took over Dream. It was oh, it was God. Aptus Force, not it Dreamforce. Really was. Uh, but good for them, man. They had that. They had that money to spend. Yes, Take so. over a whole damn freaking bar. Yeah, the S- nicest one there. Surprise, surprise! A, an app that Salesforce is part owner of is the featured one this week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know. You mentioned Squid I, and and whether or not Lightning, they got consulted with Lightning. And I don't know. They might have gotten an early preview of it. But I don't really think Squid and Lightning compete all that much, to be honest. I'm not saying they do. And in fact, okay, let me just clear the record here. The, the, a lot of people thought, oh, Lightning, that's going to hurt Squid. Yeah. I never thought that. I think that's a misunderstanding of wh- the, where Squid plays. Yeah. And I don't. I didn't mean to reinforce that. That incorrect assumption, because it's not true. Right. In fact, I've been meaning to write that blog post. If you had a problem that Squid had a good solution for before Lightning, the same applies for after Lightning. Well, no, the thing is, Lightning doesn't change anything. That's what I just, you just said the same thing I did. Well, Lightning, okay, I know, but I want, I want to simplify this a little bit more. Jeremy Light- was right. <laughs> that was not me, by the way. <laughs> Actually, that was you. <laughs> I mean, that was me at a different time. That was time travel. But Lightning doesn't change anything. Lightning's just a new container mechanism. I mean, it's, I mean, if you, all, the all-encompassing Lightning, yeah, it's a new skin of John, everything. John, it's the Lightning system. The Lightning, lightning system. experience. <laughs> yeah, because you can do so much with it right now. Because everyone's enabling it like crazy right now. No. There's one org that I work in that they enabled it. It's, 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 it's fine. 
I mean, it's 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 huge. I mean, that that's you know, such a huge change, and it's going to well. Take, I mean, the point the time. point of it is is that it's a modern take of Visual Force. It's a modernization of that tooling. You, you're now you now have client side controller. You now have your 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 ability to kind of manipulate the page layouts a little bit differently. Your containers are a little more well defined. You can create little components and snippets of functionality, and they're a little more modular. But that didn't make the system more dynamic and more configurable. It's not like I can still take a related list and add in a whole new feature mechanism and add in two or three different models from these two different things without coding. Yeah, you still have to work within their meta model. Right. And Squid gives you that ability to kind of go in and create your models, create all this functionality, this UI-specific functionality, and and do that stuff. So in a, to me, it really didn't change anything. It's just the container changed. You know, the container where I put Squid is now in a lightning component module versus a visual yeah, force page. Yeah. But the lightning experience has a completely new UI, you know, and the, the, the big change there is the sing, it's a single page app architecture. Yeah, and that assumes that everyone who liked Squid liked it because they hated they ultimately hated this the Salesforce look and feel. Right. That's a which dis- is partially true. It's like a small percentage of why people end up spending the money on Squid. You know, Squid it gives you the ability to kind of dynamically create these whole new interfaces, drag and drop tools. Um which I thought Lightning was going to try to do, but it it didn't. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't go to that level to it's, that degree. It's hard to have, as, as with so many Salesforce things, it's hard to have a rational conversation and reason about some of these things because they have jacked up the terminology so bad. I mean, Lightning means. I'm trying to figure out what you're talking about because Lightning means about 15 different things right now. It does. It absolutely does. And, I'm, and I keep having to. I have to wait to get more context. To actually, know what you're talking about. Oh, he's talking about. Lightning yeah. components, or oh no, he's talking about the lightning design system. Oh no, he's talking about the you know the lightning <laughs> lightning experience UI. It's like there's so many different things it could be. I haven't gotten into mobile yet. I mean, there's this thing <laughs> called brand extension, and you can go overboard with it. And Salesforce's branding people should should really think about that. Salesforce's marketing team is doing their job. That's all I can say. Well, you can't argue that they're not successful. I'm not saying they're they're, they're very successful at marketing and, and championing hey, their I mean, product. I don't know anything. I just took. If a that's mar- the goal of marketing. They're doing the I damn have, fine job. I do have a business degree, and I had to take marketing classes. But that's kind of my that's my <laughs> extent of my uh, <laughs> my skills. So, uh, but yeah, it, it does seem like they man. And I've 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 had exposure to the cons- large consumer brands and how they have brand lines and brand extensions and. And some of the uh, trade-offs there. It just seems like Salesforce has not managed those trade-offs super well. And also, when they build up a good brand, then they change, then they rename it. It's like, I know. Well, I don't understand this. You had all this this recognition built up, and then you went and renamed it, and then six months later, you renamed it again. I think it's just the way for them to make news. I mean, every time they come out with a new cloud, I it find does. out it's got it does. And it's, most it's of the jur- most of different- the journalists think that it's a new product. I know. It's like, it's like it's 10 things that they had before that just moved into one cloud. Like App Cloud now is Force.com and all this other kind of crap. And I'm like, Any oh. monkey with, with a set of lipstick on their pig lips can write it for Forbes. <laughs> uh, you know what? What? <laughs> that sounded hostile, didn't it? <laughs> Uh, I didn't mean for it to sound that way. I was going to transition to to something I read, and it was Oracle turns JavaScript in new turns to JavaScript in new cloud dev tools. <sighs> JavaScript and, is eating the world. Was, was, it's Atwood's at law. That's all I wanted to do was talk was read that headline because JavaScript is is taken over. The, am I getting that wrong? Is it not Atwood's law? I don't know. It is. Hang is on. it? Yeah. Do you know Do you know Atwood's law? Uh, I should. Shouldn't I? I am a 
Atwood follower. Here, here's what it, the Atwood loss fan. states that any application that can be written in JavaScript will eventually be written in JavaScript. Yeah. And that is becoming true. I, I, th- I think if you're a developer and you don't know JavaScript, you, you really should start getting into JavaScript. I mean, Lightning, you're going you're gonna to use JavaScript heavily in Lightning. There's a plethora. I don't think I've ever used that word before. <laughs> There's, there is a plethora of, of tooling and application frameworks. <laughs> nice word. Uh, esp- especially these newer ones, frameworks that are using JavaScript. Yeah. Built around JavaScript. Yeah. And JavaScript's fun. It, it's gotten better. JavaScript I used to hate because it was so hard to develop in it. It's this prototyping language. You could a variable could be a string one minute and a function the next minute. It's very hard to wrap your head around that kind of dynamicism. Is that a word? Dynam- Dynamics. Dynamism. Dynamism. There you go. Um, but with some of the modern tools that we have today, um, which Firebug really started that. At least that was my exposure to JavaScript debugging tools. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then with every browser now, including that kind of stuff, it's, it's gotten easier to kind of debug your, your system. And well, yeah, there's things, I mean, JavaScript is such a, it's a deceptively simple language, mm-hmm. right? I mean, everything's either, everything's a value. It's, it's a, it's truly a, a functional language. I mean, functions are first class, uh, <laughs> elements of the language. Well, everything's a function. I mean, kind of, I mean. <laughs> You have functions no. inside of functions that, yeah. are, that work as functions and they're, there's no scope unless they're within a function and then you can control scope and uh, it's just... Yeah. I mean, a, a, func- a value can be a function, right? And yeah. you can attempt to call any value and if it's a function, it'll, you know, it'll execute. But it's, it, yeah, it's simply simple and, and it's, you know, but there's just, you know, you take a typical web developer who understands... You, has a surface level understanding of, of JavaScript. And it turns out that there's, it's again, it's designed for such a simple thing, but now we're doing much more complex things. We're building big systems out of it. And so now we have modular Java. So there's all these different module systems. We have build tools and linting and then there's ES six or ES 2015 or whatever it's called now that, that adds um, classes and all kinds of things, um, which make it, if you're working it, if you're building real apps in JavaScript, a lot more pleasant, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're building entire mobile applications, not just web applications. But right. It's stuff that's running on your phone. And things like TypeScript. I mean, yeah. TypeScript, in fact, it didn't, isn't Angular 2, didn't it? Isn't it on TypeScript? That sounds right. I think it is. I almost chose TypeScript for a project I'm working on, but I ended up doing um, ES6 instead. TypeScript's kind of cool. It's just, it's like JavaScript with, with classes and actual types. Yeah. But it's, you know, but if you want it to run in a current browser, then you, it all gets compiled down right. to, you know, JavaScript 5, essentially. And some things, you know, 90% of it works when you do that. But there's like 10% of TypeScript that you have to avoid if you don't planning, plan on running it on a, like a, on an ES6, right. I think, on a known ES6, you know, VM. Anyway, we're getting in the, the nerd weeds, the weeds. <laughs> it's the weeds of it all. Oh, man. But yeah, I mean, that was just, that was just my, my thought that, I mean, JavaScript, man, it's, I mean, what, what other language out there is, has this much excitement about built around? Well, the it? other weird thing is I feel like I've been writing in JavaScript for 20 years and 
it's just all of a sudden recently that it's if it, it's expl- it's hockey sticked in terms of the maturity of yeah. not only the language itself but of people that are using the language. People and I would I don't know. I'm I'm learning jo- things about JavaScript that some of it's new, but some of some of things some of the things are just like wow, I never thought about JavaScript in this way before. Like I'm even almost kind of discovering JavaScript again in a yeah. way. There's and, some things that I love about it that I that I hate. But, but for 20 years, it was just thing that it was just this thing that we did. You know, on click equals you know blink, <laughs> right? <laughs> and now all of a sudden, it's this you know in, in Node, right? I mean, that really yeah uh, Node. I think put JavaScript on the map in a different in a completely different way. Yeah, and oh, it absolutely. And did. now it's and all of a sudden now like 90 percent of the tools I use are all Node based. Yep. It's like what? I feel like I woke up and then the world changed, and now do you all have my a, tools do you have are a, different. Do you have a favorite uh, JavaScript line of code or syntax or just block? <laughs> I, I I do have I, one. I don't rank my lines of code. No, <laughs> no. I mean, there's there's something that that JavaScript does that you wish other languages did. Okay, and that's the the or the or operator, because I can say this value or this value in whichever one is null, it'll, it'll kind of oh, map yeah, yeah. versus, you know, actually having to say, is this null and then map this one or this one is null. I use that like everywhere. It's the short circuits and it takes the first non-null, non-false yeah. value. Yeah. That's like my favorite line of code. Yeah. Well, I you probably, can't do this with Salesforce. <laughs> I probably use it incorrectly because I love it so much, yeah. but <laughs> that's an, it's a nice pattern. It's like a little pattern that, that works well in JavaScript. You know what I hate most? Trying to scope my code, my variables, the well, that's, namespacing, that's one of the mock that, namespacing system or pattern. It can pattern. be tricky in JavaScript. Also knowing what this means, because you can change oh, what I this know, means. Right? I know. And that's or just, even, even your just your your base language, what is it? Operators, keywords, those can get modified. Like you can modify undefined. In fact, there's a whole pattern around how to pass in undefined because yeah. it could get overwritten by something else. Yeah, that's crazy. So it, it can be dangerous. Yeah. It can be tricky. That's, that's why, um, what's so like C hit, you can operate, you could overload operators. And then you just get, you know, end up with 90% of the time just rampant abuse of that feature. You know? <laughs> well, you can, you can break Salesforce doing that. Define a, cla- a test class, a class called test. There's, there's a lot of ways to break Salesforce. <laughs> I don't know if they patched that, but, but for a while there, you could create a class called test and you could break, you could, Basically, well, break no, your you're, test not you're just shadowing it. I mean, you can create a class called account. You can create a, a variable called account. Now you've just shadowed the the glo- the account global. Yeah, the global s object. I don't know why they let you do that, but anyways, any anywho, anywho, <laughs> that is all I have, sir. Me too. And to that, I say good day, sir. Good day, sir. Got it. Mark Mark uses a really good database. Use a really you know, Salesforce uses a really good database you know, they use Oracle. And NetSuite used a really good database, amazingly good database. They use Oracle. And they use really good middleware. You know what they use? They use Oracle. <laughs> all right, all right, we're gonna get to the next question. <laughs> Workday. All right. So, so your question was, are we a loser? No. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. You lose. <laughs>